WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire in the newsroom. I'm Andrew Green. Governor Gretchen Whitmer is uh, touting the state's new education budget. She posted a message to social media this week saying with the summer winding down, kids are about to head back to school. She said the budget gives them the tools they need to succeed. When kids go back to school, I know that the education budget I signed will improve their on-campus experience. We raised per-student funding to an all-time high, invested in mental health and campus safety, and have free breakfast and lunch for all public school students. Wimmer said all the above will improve educational outcomes, enabling kids to focus on class and reach their potential. The $24.3 billion education budget raised per-pupil funding by $611 million, or 5%. It also included $328 million for mental health and school safety and a $450 million deposit into a new rainy day fund for schools. There's a court fight brewing, pitting a subsidiary of Royal Dutch Shell against Decatur Township in Van Buren County. More from WSJM's Ken Lundberg. Today, Jason West has a homestead surrounded by farmland. Soon, that will change if a subsidiary of Royal Dutch Shell, the owners of Shell Oil Company, has its way. Savian LLC is planning to replace an estimated 1,000 acres of farmland with a solar panel array. West learned of the plan after Decatur Township approved an ordinance allowing the development, but because of a clerical error, the township had to reopen the public process. The question ended up on the August ballot, and 80% of voters in Decatur rejected the township's solar plan. West says now the Shell-owned company is suing the township, saying voters have no standing. They're essentially trying to turn our entire town into a giant power plant. The lawsuit, filed on behalf of Southwest Michigan Solar Project, is pending in the 36th Circuit Court in Van Buren County. Representatives for Savion LLC have not responded to requests for comment. Ken Lundberg, WSJM News. Benton Harbor City Commissioners are considering how they could help improve conditions at Harbor Towers, commonly known as the high-rise. Issues arose last winter when the building experienced a power outage and flooding, and at the time, HUD was expected to make improvements. Speaking at a meeting this week, Commissioner Jerry Edwards said the city has lost control of the low-income housing development. We had our fire marshal go over there. They didn't respond to him on time. He went over there. He suggested that Harbor Towers need to be done like Lakeview Terrace. Take every resident out, put them in a hotel. But Harbor Towers came back and said no. We got this. Commissioner Juanita Henry urged colleagues to take action. Doing nothing is really unacceptable. So if we can't do anything for our constituents that are under living under that kind of, then we all need to resign. Edwards says he lived in Harbor Towers and was evicted for sounding the alarm about problems there. In January, commissioners estimated about 5 to $7 million in work is needed at the building. Public Safety Director Dan McGinnis even speculated at that time that the building might need to be raised. A responsible contracting policy is under review by city commissioners in Benton Harbor. At last night's meeting, they heard from Robert George of the Michigan Laborers District Council, who spoke in support of the proposal. He said 17 Michigan municipalities have such policies which increase transparency on how construction dollars are spent and help ensure local workers are employed on on the projects. It also is a policy that helps protect the city in the long term from unscrupulous contractors, contractors that might be looking to cut corners on their projects, and so that it provides the city with good recourse and good procedures to be able to hold these contractors to account and move the city forward on its infrastructure needs. 
Commissioner Juanita Henry said the policy has already been considered by a committee and should be moved forward. Commissioner Mary Alice Adams agreed, saying the city gets unsatisfactory results from construction projects due to a lack of contractor vetting. Mayor Port- Pro Tem Dwayne Seats, who was chairing the meeting, said the policy will appear on the commission's next meeting agenda. A track event held in Benton Harbor on August 12th is being hailed as a success. The fastest male and female on the streets track meet took place at Dwight P. Mitchell City Center Park and included runners from ages 5 to 18. Benton Harbor Athletic Sports Club chair Daryl Jackson told commissioners the talent on display from young athletes was a sight to see. Those kids turned that thing out. We saw some amazing running that I had never seen before in my 30-some years. We had some kids ages five years of age, six, seven, eight, and nine. We had kids running with older kids. Jackson thanked the Benton Harbor Department of Public Safety for closing streets to make the running possible and noted the top competitors received medals. He promised the event will come back next year. The fastest male and female on the streets was started this year as a rekindling of the Berrien County Olympian Games, which Jackson remembers from the 70s. The Niles Scream Park has announced 16 scholarships to mostly Niles area high school students. Park manager Pete Karlowitz tells us the nonprofit park gives the scholarships to young people who have volunteered there. We have volunteers that work at the Scream Park, and they put their hours towards scholarships. Karlowitz says 11 of the scholarships this year are for students for at Niles High School, two are for Brandywine High School students, two are for Penn High School students, and one's for a Coloma High School student. He tells us this year has been a record year. This year is by far the most we've ever done. There were 16 scholarships, so that totals $8,000. We've never done that much before, but we had a good year last year, and we had a couple new scholarships, so that's why we were able to do the $8,000 this year. Carlowitz says the park also donates to charities chosen by the volunteers. This year, they include the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the Boy Scouts, Pets Connect, and the Niles Band Boosters. He notes the 50th season of the Niles Screen Park is about to start on September 8th. We'll have a preview of it next month because the park is planning a few surprises to mark the anniversary. And the Cass County Prosecutor's Office will not be pressing charges against the man who shot an armed robber at a gas station last month. It says the incident occurred at the Marathon gas station near Broadway and Water Streets the night of July 27th. The suspect, 35-year-old Cordelius Martin, went into the gas station, put on a mask, and tried to rob the store using a box cutter for a weapon. However, a customer in the store shot him and held him at gunpoint until police arrived. The suspect's now facing several charges, including armed robbery, and has a preliminary exam set for August 28th. Meanwhile, the prosecutor's office has reviewed the conduct of the customer who shot the suspect. It says the customer had a valid Michigan concealed pistol license, and it has determined the customer's actions were lawful and justified under the Defense of Others doctrine. No charges will be pursued against that customer. WSJM at News now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture in Dwozhak, where furniture shopping is fun. Maui County says it has now searched all single-level homes that burned in the wildfire, and 115 people are confirmed dead. But they're not done searching. There are still many more buildings, as we hear from ABC's Alex Stone. Hawaii Governor Josh Green is warning now that crews are beginning to search multi-story homes and commercial buildings in Lahaina, an effort that is just starting. He says they expect to see a lot more loss of life. He says it will be tragic, and he wants to brace everyone for that 
and that it will take time to do. It's at least a week, maybe two. About 800 people remain unaccounted for, and there are concerns some died in the buildings not yet searched. Alex Stone, EBC News. Army commandos using helicopters in a makeshift chairlift rescued eight people from a broken cable car as it dangled hundreds of meters above a canyon in Pakistan. Authorities say the rescues were completed late today in a remote mountainous part of the country. The six children and two adults became trapped when a cable snapped while they were crossing a river canyon. The children were on their way to school. The Pakistani prime minister congratulated the rescuers for the success. The dramatic effort transfixed the country for hours as Pakistanis crowded around televisions in offices, shops, restaurants, and hospitals. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan today briefed Congress on a range of topics, including Ukraine. ABC's Karen Travers has the latest. The White House has asked Congress for more than $20 billion in additional funding for Ukraine, but an increasing number of Republican lawmakers have expressed their opposition to approving any more assistance. President Biden's National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told reporters Tuesday the administration believes the support for additional funding will be there on Capitol Hill, even if there are what he called, quote, some dissident voices among Republicans. Sullivan said the president's team believes there is still a, quote, strong bipartisan foundation of support. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. Newly released video shows the 98-year-old mother of a Kansas newspaper publisher confronting police officers as they searched her home in a raid that's drawn national scrutiny. It shows her visibly upset and demanding, get out of my house. A video released by the newspaper on Monday shows Joan Meyer shouting at the six officers inside the Marion, Kansas home that she shared with her son. She died the day after the raid of the Marion County record in the homes of the Myers, as well as a Marion City Council member. Eric Myers said the stress contributed to her death. Former Trump attorney John Eastman surrendered himself to Fulton County officials today in that sweeping 2020 Georgia election case, vowing to reporters outside the jail that he plans to vigorously fight the charges in court. ABC's Aaron Katursky has more from Atlanta on those charges. And in the case of John Eastman, Prosecutors say he's the one that came up with this idea of of seating an alternate slate of electors who would certify that Trump won. They would cast ballots for the losing candidate. Uh, Eastman also had an idea that uh, then-Vice President Mike Pence could either reject or, or somehow delay the proper counting of electoral votes. An ambitious but failed attempt by Russia to return to the moon after nearly half a century has exposed the challenges faced by Moscow's once-proud space program. The crash of the robotic Luna 25 probe on the surface of the moon over the weekend reflects the problems that have dogged Russia's space industry since the 1991 collapse of the Soviet Union. Those include the loss of key technologies in the post-Soviet industrial meltdown, the bruising impact of Western sanctions, a huge brain drain, and widespread corruption. Yori Borisov, the head of the Roscosmos Space Agency, blamed the lack of expertise due to the long break in lunar research that followed the last Soviet mission to the moon in 1976. A college in Georgia is returning to COVID-19 prevention measures after a spike in cases. More from ABC's Derek Dennis. Morris Brown College, a historically black liberal arts school in Atlanta, has reinstated its mask mandate effective immediately. A statement from the school posted on social media says over the next 14 days, everyone on campus will be required to wear masks. Large gatherings will be prohibited and contact tracing will be in effect. The school has not said how many COVID positive cases it has on campus, but the statement says CDC recommendations for isolation and quarantine must be followed. Derek Dennis, ABC News. It's official. Eight candidates will be on the stage at Wednesday's Republican presidential primary debate. 
The Republican National Committee announced who met its donor in polling thresholds late Monday. The eight candidates include Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, and former Vice President Mike Pence. Former President Donald Trump says he'll skip the debate and indicated he'll be uh, holding a competing event instead. At least three candidates who thought they had qualified were excluded. One of them, conservative radio host Larry Elder, is threatening to sue the RNC. And the voice of a much-loved video game character has said his last woohoo. ABC's Jason Nathanson explains. It's me, Mario! Thanks to the success of the Super Mario Brothers movie, many think of Chris Pratt as the voice of Mario. Woohoo! But in the video games, it's actually been Charles Martinet for decades. Mamma mia! And now he's stepping down. Nintendo of America saying Martinet will now serve as a Mario ambassador, representing the character around the world at conventions and events. Martinet also voiced Mario's brother Luigi and other characters in the game. No official word why he's stepping down or who will replace him. Jason Athenson, ABC News, Hollywood. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast.